You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. Welcome to another episode of the award-winning Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young, and we are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan. And we are here with Emily Battle from Let Me Run. Now, just a few years ago after its creation, Let Me Run was off and running as a program to give elementary-aged boys a physical and mental emotional outlet for all their energy. And I have two sons. The energy is nonstop, and they're only three and 10 months old. Best known as the boy version of the popular Girls on the Run program, which we also had on the podcast, Let Me Run has expanded to 56 regions of this country in just 10 years, which is absolutely amazing. But like Girls on the Run, its curriculum is more than just running. Its founder, a Girls on the Run coach with two little boys, saw the need for boys to understand and overcome the boy code that requires them to be tough and shut out of their emotions so boys can be boys. Can be boys. Um, now, after a year... Off because of the pandemic, Let Me Run will return to schools in the fall, which is awesome. They will have an updated curriculum and coaches training that will reflect the times we're living in. In addition to teaching boys to have empathy and be supportive teammates, new components will teach boys to process trauma such as death, illness, and isolation from COVID-19, as well as teach equity and equality over all genders and races. We are so excited to have Emily here from Let Me Run. And like I said, as a father of two boys... I am thrilled that this not only started in Charlotte, but I'm thrilled that you guys are creating something to make boys be better, right? Like you got to be a great guy and a great boy to lead a family, to, to lead a community. And at the same time, you got to be somebody that can, can have fun at the same time. So all of this together is a phenomenal <laughs> scenario from a curriculum. I can't wait to get my kids out there and let them start running. So thank you so much, Emily. And uh, you are now on this episode of the Brand Builders Podcast. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for that great introduction of the organization, too. Absolutely. Thank you, Emily. And so this must be a really very busy time for Let Me Run and summer camps and getting ready for the fall and all of that. So how's it going? <laughs> uh, it's it's going, you know, I mean, better to be busy than kind of what we've been maybe the past year um, or so. The As with most nonprofits or many of them, you know, the pandemic certainly dealt us a little bit of a a blow and caused us to pause our programming um you know and and just looking back at the past year too you know we made the pretty deliberate decision when COVID hit and our schools across the country shut down or went virtual um not to go virtual with our programming you know and we talked to parents um nationwide to see if it were something that they'd be interested in and we overwhelmingly heard that another virtual offering for their boys was just not what they were interested in. Um, and I think especially for boys, they needed each other to motivate them to get out and to run and to do that. So um, so we're really excited now to actually be working toward our fall program. And we're looking at how we build back. You know, we really do see this as kind of launching Let Me Run 2.0 in some ways. Um, but we recognize too that it will be a rebuilding time. Um, and so that is really um, what we're focusing on right now and knowing, okay, maybe we're not in as many regions as, as we have been, um, but we will get back there. And so where do we start? And the past month or so, we've been reaching out to our school partners to get the ball rolling, to say, hey, we're, we're here, we're ready to come back, we wanna come back. Um, but we recognize a lot of the schools 
are really still trying to figure out how they're getting back, you know, and how they're going to be there for the kids. Getting back in person every day is their number one priority, as it should be. And so um, we are kind of off in the wings waiting and hopeful that they will also open up their campuses to outside organizations, because that's really been um, the issue for us and, and other organizations is that they've kind of closed their doors, rightfully so, to reduce risk, but we're really hoping then that they'll open back up. So that's what we're spending our time doing is just, you know, reestablishing some of those connections with our school partners, um, you know, kind of getting back in touch with the parents and such as well to just kind of remind them, you know, we're here, we're excited. Um, and also we really feel like, you know, boys are going to need this program even more than they have in the past coming back from COVID. So we're kind of um, finding that opportunity to, to take advantage of, of the times that we're in. I love it. So before we jump into all about, you know, let me run, uh, you are a graduate from UNC at Chapel Hill. I know there's a lot of Chapel Hill people. We got to throw that in there. That's always, that's always the exclamation <laughs> point. You got to specify. Yeah, you got to specify. You got to know I'm Chapel Hill. Okay. Um, but you went to school there and then you moved up to the Big Apple. You moved up to New York City and you were actually a program director for Girls on the Run in Manhattan. Uh, and then you were actually the director of development for the New York Roadrunner. So you have been around running for, it seems like for a very long time, seems like it's something that's passionate. And I guess now we've gotten you back here into Charlotte. Tell us a little bit about your journey. Um, how did you get into you know, these organizations? Did you ever think when you were at Chapel Hill that you would be working with organizations specifically around running? And tell us a little bit about, uh, about your story. Um. Short answer to that is no. I uh, I was so I I was a runner some growing up. Um, I was a sprinter and enjoyed you know that shorter component of it. Um, you know, but never much into running for running's sake. Um, and then I lived here in Charlotte for a couple of years, right outside of of Chapel Hill, and started to get into it a little bit. Then I think finding that um, mental health component that a lot of folks do that you know, especially once you enter the working world and the stresses of life and kind of found that it was a nice um, release a bit, but certainly never thought that um, it'd be anything I kind of found professionally. Um, and did make my way up to New York for graduate school. And while in grad school, um, was looking for some way to actually just to get some nonprofit experience because I was looking at that time to make the switch more from the corporate consulting world into nonprofits. And um, at that time, Girls on the Run just really spoke to me and um, kind of fit my schedule truthfully as well. And just really fell in love with the youth programming component, um, the merger of those two worlds, you know, of just the, the confidence building, the more specialized curriculum, and then getting kids to to really see the beauty of running um, in a lot of ways. And what I love about Girls on the Run and love about Let Me Run as well is you see sometimes, um, you know, we get kids that maybe they're not the athlete, you know, they've never really been included in it. They're not going to make the team, um, but they've never really thought of running on their own as an option, you know, and they kind of, a light goes on to realize, wow, they're actually pretty good at this, you know, and it's something that they can do and they feel included. Um, and that's a really beautiful moment to see, um, you know, flip side, a story I still love from my time as a coach with girls on the run is the end of the season 5k. I was 
running alongside a little girl who we took forever. I mean, we were, we were out there a long time. And afterwards she finished though. And she had this big smile. And I said, you know, did you at least learn something? And between huffing and puffing, she said she learned that she hates running, you know, but we learned something and that's a good thing to know. Next that one off. um, Yeah. But, but, you know, she finished it. She did have a big smile on her face. Um, Yeah. So, you know, once I, uh, while I was up in New York and in grad school, I really got into running um, and I started running marathons and um, I went back to consulting after grad school, um, you know, but kind of always had my eye on how do you how do you bring those things together and an opportunity at New York Roadrunners popped up um, You know, from the day I applied to my first day was kind of under a week. And and that was really a dream job, um, truthfully, and loved my time there, loved the people working with the New York City Marathon and my husband and I relocated down to Charlotte when we were um, expecting our first child. And um, I continued with New York Roadrunners for a few years down here, but always kind of had my eye on what's going on in the Charlotte market. Um, was there an opportunity that really spoke to me and, and fit my skill set and my passion? And just so happened um, right after I had my second child that happened to be a boy, um, Let Me Run was looking for a new executive director. and reached out, it really felt like kind of the convergence of a lot of my experiences and now combined with an even more personal passion since I had a boy and um, was really looking at it of, okay, how do we raise him um, to be, you know, someone who is compassionate and, you know, confident, but a good teammate and friend and will be a good husband and father and you know, kind of how do we build and develop both of our children? I have a daughter and a son, um, you know, and develop that emotional toolkit in them, you know, that they can foster their own social and emotional wellness. And so when this came about, it was kind of a, may not have been the perfect time um, with a, a five month old, but um, you know, you can't control the timing. So I jumped at it and it's, uh, it's been a great ride. Very cool. How old is the organization now? So we were founded um, the first pilot season, which was here in Charlotte at Beverly Woods Elementary, um, was the spring of 2008. Um, we kind of consider our official national founding 2009. So um, we are going into our, our 12th year. Very cool. So, so, so how yeah. exactly does the program work and what ages can take part? So um, it is grades three through eight. And with that, we have kind of three different um, curricula or or programs within that. So we have a standalone third grade program, which is our newest. We rolled that out nationally um, fall 2019. And um, that is just for third graders. And the reason we kind of close them off and have that as a standalone is that we see a big developmental jump in boys between grades three and four. So for that reason, we really want to be able to keep them separate so that they can kind of flourish, but also feel comfortable and, and confident with their own group. Then we have an elementary school program for fourth and fifth grade boys combined. Um, and that is our most popular program and our most kind of well-attended one. And then we have a middle school program for grades six through eight. Um, and sixth grade and fifth grade for that matter can often be a little bit of a floating year because some schools include that in you know, sixth grade is still elementary school or fifth grade is middle school. So there's a little bit of, um, you know, gray space there of, of which way those grades go. But so it's kind of three different offerings. Um, again, elementary school is 
where the vast majority of our boys are enrolled. And then um, we run as a fall and spring program. So it's a seven week program in the fall and the spring. You meet two days a week. Typically it's after school for about 75 to 90 minutes um, each time. And each lesson has a kind of um, certainly a run component as they're building up to run their end of season 5k. And then it also has a lesson and activity and discussion component. So whatever we may be discussing that day, whether it's, you know, dealing with anger, or it's, you know, having good role models or choosing, you know, kind of what's right and not easy, you know, some of those. um, So there's kind of a, a theme and a topic for each one. But each lesson has those same components. Um, And then at the end of the season, we have our celebratory 5k that they've built up to run. Um, And our 5k actually, you know, is a little bit different that we do time ours, some organizations don't. Um, But we feel this gets to kind of the natural, more competitive nature for boys. Um, But the nice and we use that timing part as their goal setting throughout the program. So, you know, we do some mile time trials throughout the program. They set based on that kind of what their goal for their 5K is. And then we track their progress. And that's kind of what they're working toward at the end. And and the really nice thing we see is, um, you know, that inner competition comes out, but it really stays kind of their inner competition and not against one another. Um, You know, they'll finish, they'll go back, cheer on all the boys from their team, cross the finish line together. Um, but it is kind of that that inner drive that we try and play to um, with the boys. I love that. So I I, uh, I ran cross country at a high level in high school uh, for four years. And I'll tell you, honestly, I think it made me hate running. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I originally started to stay in shape for soccer. But there is something about running a 5K and kind of the emotional and the mental kind of swing throughout that entire 5k, whether you're mm-hmm. running that at a high level, or you're just running that as a fun run. It challenges anyone that's out there, no matter what your physical level is. Absolutely. Um, and there is that type of like satisfaction when you, when you finish. Um, so that's really awesome. I want to ask you, and, and maybe this is a personal question. Maybe this is something that you, you understand since you're around a lot of boys you know, th- this is a, a, a challenging time for a lot of people. As I raise my two sons, there's a lot of things that give me anxiety as far as what are they going to have to run into? What are the things that they're going to have to deal with? And how, as a father, am I going to not only support them, but um, but give them enough, not only confidence, but I guess give them enough motivation to be what they want to be without pushing them too far into a direction maybe I want them to be. What are you mm-hmm. seeing as the biggest issue with children at these age groups? And what does your program provide that, you know, there's a lot of parents that might have a kid that's in this age group that's going through some tough times or they can't, you know, you know, understand their mental, you know, being like, what are the things that you're seeing? And maybe you have a personal story of someone that came in where a mother or father were having a lot of issues. And then this program really changed that, that, that boy. I would love to hear um, that side of the story. Yeah. So, I mean, I think what we often hear about boys at this age, um, you know, is just in general, you know, kind of the research says that, you know, boys have have started to be left behind a little bit and that they often lack in the literacy and communication and, and kind of empathy or emotional vocabulary, too, that 
is really critical for success in the classroom and in life. And um, and whether that's, you know, because society is kind of start to tell them to kind of keep it all in and, you know, be strong and, and not to let things get to you or to show that constant strength. Um, you know, I think health and strength has meant a lack of emotion. And I think for us, we look at it, what if strength meant, you know, being strong enough to show your emotion and being strong enough to process that, you know, we all know kids are going to, you know, life's going to knock them down and there's going to be failure and there's going to be hardship and they're going to make mistakes. And how do we help them process that? So they're resilient enough to be healthy and, and move through it. And I think right now you ask, you know, what we hear a lot. And I think so many parents are used to saying, you know, how are you? How are things? Fine. And, we kind of think it okay they they are fine or if there was something wrong they let us know or i i'm not going to dig any deeper and it's that fine line of are they fine are they being told that they need to be fine um or in some ways do they lack that toolkit to express that they're not fine and they don't even really know what they're missing and you know what um in some ways when they're not fine we ask, does the societal view of masculinity stand in the way of them getting help? You know, boys' friendships aren't, you know, girls will go for a walk and talk about their feelings for an hour because that's just, that's what society <laughs> what tells do. us we can do. <laughs> um, you know, and, and boy, especially young boys, you know, how are they, who can they lean on? Who can they turn to? Um, and I think, you know, we have certainly seen, you um, a lot of great stories of, of boys who come through the program who, you know, we hear from their parents that they were in a really low place coming into this program. You know, they didn't have any friends. They did not want to go to school every day. You know, maybe sometimes it was outright bullying or name calling. And sometimes it was just the feelings of, of isolation, which coming back from COVID, everyone's got, um, you know, with the social anxiety and such. But at the part of our practice um, across all of the different programs and ages I previously talked about. Um, at the end of it, we close it out with these positive peer cards um, or positive peer statements. And it's where the other boys on the team all write down um, or at the third grade level say something positive about their other teammates. And we collect them through the season. And then at the end of the season, each boy gets those. And we had one mom, um, who wrote, I guess it was in the fall 2019, you know, that her son, not only did he win the Let Me Run Boy Award that was voted on by his his peers, um, but then the, the impact of those cards to his just mental health at the end of what had been a really hard time in school, um, she said he was just a different boy. You know, he got in the car and was reading these and just had this kind of different outlook on on life and going to school. And it doesn't mean, you know, that these 14 boys who have shared a seven week experience, you know, become best friends and, you know, are, are inseparable for the rest of their time. But I think it's for the boys to recognize and realize that other people see good in them. You know, they see something special in them. They see something worthy and unique. And, you know, especially for, for any kid that age, but especially some of these boys, you know, they really latch onto and um, 
it carries them far. And so that's a pretty incredible thing to see. Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted you to say. <laughs> the, um, uh, and wow, that's what awesome. a great answer. Yeah, that is yeah. a great answer. I, really I do, cool. Yeah, I want to say on the other end of that, and you mentioned a little bit about this. From a parent's perspective, what are some of the things that you're seeing right now that parents need to do better? And what are some things that you would give from an advice standpoint if you're raising boys? This is the way. And, and look, every kid's going to be different, right? There's no one right. answer. But there's a lot of ways that that can be better, you know? Um, what would be your advice for parents that are raising these boys? Not only, yes, we want them to get into let me run. That would probably be the number one answer, but what do you see? Um, and, and, and what can parents do better from that, from that area? So, and I think right now, you know, in these still abnormal times, you know, I think for, um, for parents, it's really important to know that you know, we as adults even know entering back into life, it's going to be challenging. You know, I was in a situation the other day at my daughter's rising kindergarten thing. And for the first time I was in a group of five people at the same time and we were all chatting, you know, I kind of didn't know how to, you know, incorporate someone else in the conversation. And you, you've kind of lost some of those, those skills, but we as adults kind of know it's going to come back. We're going to be fine. You know, I think what parents need to recognize is, kids will have internalized a lot more during this time than maybe we think um, and maybe than we have, um, you know, and what is one year in 40 years for any of us, maybe it's a much higher percentage of their lifespan and what they're now used to than, than it is for us. And so I think, you know, really working with them and being patient, but also not taking things at surface value that they seem okay. Um, and that's uncomfortable a lot of the time. And, um, but I think that's really, um, really one thing that some of the observed behavioral changes coming out of COVID in kids of the difficulty concentrating, boredom, increased screen time, um, you know, knowing that your, your child's had all of those things, whether you really realize it or not. And, you know, so encouraging them to get out, but being patient with them along the way. Um, and yes, certainly, you know, signing up for Let Me Run because we have, you know, as part of what we're trying to do is is pairing the curriculum with um, a parent guide. So parents kind of can follow along and be part of the conversation um, with their boys. And, you know, kind of where we go from here and, and what parents, um, you know, should do. I'm Look, I'm, I'm not a pro parent. I wish I, I could say that I was. I'm certainly not perfect in it either. But I think, um, you know, as much as we can, I think a lot of folks um, are still kind of unsure about, you know, how much do you push your, your kid to talk and how, how are heavy handed are you going to be with it? And if you push too much, will they shut down? Um, but I think talking as much as you can through it, letting them see how you're coping with it finding those activities that they can get back involved in, um, you know, those are really going to be the important steps, I think, as, as we build back. So I'm not fully sure I answered your question, Scott, but I think that's kind of, um, you know, unfortunately there's no, there's no silver bullet to it, but I think it's just an awareness a patience um, and then just kind of a leading by example, because that we know through boys, you know, the impact one positive role model can have in a boy's life is 
it's kind of, you know, cannot be overstated. Um, and that's what the research has shown. And that's why we push so much on our coach training. Um, you know, the, the opportunity there is, um, is pretty immense. And so I think as parents, that's true as well. As an organization right now, what do you need most? Like from volunteers, sponsors, schools, um, parents? <laughs> yeah, Money. a little, a little bit all. Um, I mean, number number one would be just great, you know, to know that we can be back in schools. Um, and I, again, as I kind of said from out of the gates, that that may take another few months for school districts to decide. Um, but that would be the great thing because then that kicks off all of the other steps. Um, and, you know, coaches is the number two thing then, because especially here in Charlotte, you know, we often need a couple hundred coaches um, each season. And again, this, the role of the coach is so important. Um, so that's the second thing. And we'll be kicking off coach recruitment typically in kind of the July um late July, early August timeframe. Um, and then, you know, donations and, and sponsors is another really important one. Um, certainly just to get us back up and literally and running, but, um, but also because we anticipate, um, so it is a, just like many programs, we are a paid program. So there is a registration fee to sign up and up to this point in our history, we've never had to turn a boy away because of their inability um, to cover that fee. But we also, pre-COVID even, we began to see a pretty significant jump in the request for financial assistance. Um, and my expectation is coming out of COVID, we're going to see that grow even more um, based on the impact of that COVID's had on families and, and many incomes and such. So um, what we are, one of my goals over the next kind of two to three years is it, even is to really build a um, much larger national scholarship fund that we can pull from, you know, we're fortunate within local regions, we have good support, we have some of that scholarship assistance available, but I'd love a much larger national fund that we can really make sure, you know, season after season that we can cover um, whatever we're requested to assist um, with financially for boys to be able to participate in the program. So that's, um, that would be the other coaches and coaches and money, I guess is, is where we're at right now. Perfect. Perfect. You guys mentioned uh, boy code, and I don't know if a lot of people understand what boy code is because that could be different to everyone, but I do want to go quickly okay. into what boy code is for, for your mm -hmm. organization, and there's five different key components to that. The first one is boys are two times more likely than girls to be expelled. Boys are 30% more likely than girls to fail out of school. Boys are four times more likely than girls to be prescri prescribed to a stimulant medication for behavior disorder. Depression in males is often masked by anger. And five, four or more U.S. boys commit suicide every single day. And I can't even believe that that is the, the number. Um, what does boy code mean to you and how do you guys approach this? Yeah, um, I know those numbers are, are pretty startling. And truthfully, that was a few years ago. and They, they haven't uh, gone in a good direction um, since then. Um so to me, boy code is also what society tells boys that they should be and kind of, you know, truthfully, the code that they need to live by. So the other things we hear about, you know, boys don't cry, boys will be boys, you know, that some, you know, boys hitting or running around crazy or 
you know, being destructive or whatever it may be is, oh, they're just being boys. And, you know, having a daughter and a son, yes, my son tends to have a little bit higher energy level. <laughs> but that also doesn't, what happens then is you take that and you put them in a school environment and that's why then they end up getting, you know, prescription drugs, you know, and, and um, medications prescribed at a higher rate and stuff. And it's, it's just kind of, they, they get put in a bucket then that they have to be dealt with as opposed to helping them kind of channel and foster some of that into a really positive thing and to, you know, to continue to build that. So to me, the boy code is kind of those societal stereotypes that restrict a boy and, and put them a bit in a bucket. I mean, truthfully, it's, it's the opposite to me of, or it's the boy version of what we sometimes say girls are told of you have to be, you know, sweet or meek or, you know, and if you're not girls get called, you know, uh, you know, they're bossy or a word I won't use, you know, and, and that type of stuff. And it's really the same. I think sometimes people forget that those societal stereotypes exist for boys. They're just in a different way. Um, and so how can we change some of those societal norms for both sides so that they're allowed to be who they are and you're fostering, um, you know, one of the lines we use a lot is nurturing the nature of boys as opposed to putting them in a box and just labeling them as hyper or aggressive or just wild, you know, and, and how do you nurture that so that they can really live into their potential and as a result, and you mentioned this right from the start, you know, then that they become really great members of society, that they're great for our, you know, our women and our, you know, our moms and our sisters and our daughters. And, you know, they're the type of, of men we want them to become, but you start them nurturing them at the boy level. So that's the boy code to me is, is kind of that box that we, we put them in. Exactly. And you guys said UNCG actually did a study that confirms that Let Me Run counteracts these unhealthy societal pressures and finding uh, that Let Me Run 1 significantly improves boys' attitudes and behaviors associated with healthy masculinity, increases physical activity of boys, improves boys' social competence, and the biggest one is reduces boys' screen time on school days. So those are four mm -hmm. things as a father of, of a son, and I know they're young, but those are important. And I, I'm really you know, excited to learn more about this, this organization. Um, as we start to wrap this up, I, I do want to know uh, from you, what is the best way for organizations, for leaders, for people uh, that would be interested in not only supporting this group, but, but for parents out there, for people that have, you know, sons, what's the best way to get in touch with you? What's the best way for them to find out more information about Let Me Run? Yeah, so our, our website, letmerun.org is, is kind of the best place um, as that will have Carrie's info on all the areas that we're in, um, the regions that we operate in, and you can kind of drill down and find, you know, the contact for your specific region. Um, and similarly, you know, there's also, I mean, my personal email address is just emilyb at letmerun.org. And I'm always happy to have, I mean, I love hearing from parents who are looking for something with their kids. I love hearing from companies who are looking you know, both to to get behind and to support something, but also to give their employees an opportunity to get involved, you know, through coaching and volunteering. So um, I would say the website or, or shooting us an email um, is always the, the most direct and best way. We'd love to hear from folks. 
Absolutely love it. Uh, Emily, I, you guys have three things uh, that, that are really important. Encouragement, empowerment, and fulfillment. Um, this is, has been, studies have shown, this will enable boys to express emotions, show affection, build friendships, and connect with others. I honestly can't think of anything more important. And what you guys are doing is fantastic. And um, we have a lot of people on this podcast in this community that are encouraging younger people in society, parents, like you need to teach your children that, that there are more important things out there, but that you need to be a good person, right? It's very simple. Yeah. I have a friend that started a brand that's just called be a good person. Can't be more simple than that. And, <laughs> exactly. and what your organization does enables that, but it also enables guys to show their emotions. I just got to know this. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm definitely not afraid to show my emotion. My mom, will, <laughs> my mom will be listening to this like, well, he never had that problem. <laughs> well, but you know, I mean, yeah. you, you hit on a, you hit on a funny point there real quick that just, you know, I think for a lot of dads though, that's an uneasy thing, you know, for their boys. And, and they kind of, they're not quite sure of like, well, how much emotion are you talking about, you know, and, and that type of thing. And so, you know, we really try and say it's not, you know, that they're going to be staying around and, you know, holding hands and crying. And, and if they are, that's we want them to know that that's OK if they do. But it's also just about, you know, how do they be a good friend? So when, you know, life kicks them down, they have someone to turn to and they have connection with someone else. And how do they or process their own anger so they don't, you know, lash out at whoever knocked them down, you know? And so it's, it's so much of that too, of emotional health and emotional strength, you know, doesn't mean you just let it all out, but it means you know when to let it out, you know when to process it and, um, and you have that resilience to bounce back. And, and that's, I think, really what we see kids lacking these days. Um, That's such great anyway. advice. It is. Yeah. Hey, real men cry. All right. <laughs> it's a generational yeah. thing too. I've Sorry. never seen, like I've seen my father cry maybe two or three times in right. 40 some yeah. years. And, yeah. you know, and, but, but society shifting emotions and, and the way we operate and new generations coming in operate a little differently and that's okay right you know yeah and totally you know okay. again it's like that's not our you know that's not our goal but our goal right. is that you know to understand it's okay it's, <laughs> like, yeah exactly yeah you know, so well and like you mentioned if you don't have a way to express your emotion or have an outlet to share that it, it only is going to stay in and you're going to see behavioral issues you're going to see things that will will actually happen because they haven't had that ability to express that emotion exactly and i think the other thing is is you talk about screen time just connectivity People are exposed to a lot of things at a much younger age than they ever were before due to the internet. There's the, I remember when I was a kid, I didn't know what was going on until I was like 10 years old. It was like, hey, I live in my neighborhood. Everything's great. But now <laughs> yeah. people, you're getting national news. Like kids are being able to read things. If they have access to the internet, they're seeing things at a much younger age. It's very hard for them to, to kind of internalize. Like what does that truly mean? And I think that can also create a lot of emotion. So you have to realize like it's not, you know, growing up 40 years ago where you were in your small town and the only news you got was a newspaper and your parents could really drive what you were exposed to. Those days are over. Right. Whether right. you want it or not, your kid is going to be exposed to things. If they go to school, even if you're not allowing them to have a screen, their friend does and their friends can go, yeah. you know what I saw? 
or check this out, right? Like, so it's going to yeah. happen. You got to, you got to be aware the internet has been a great thing, but it's opened up that door. Um, so I hey. think that's, um, that's really awesome. Well, Emily, yeah. it's been really, really great to have you on the podcast. I love what you guys have done. Um, I hope you get a chance to come in and, and see our showroom. I hope we can get involved, you know, in your organization, being a locally, you know, owned Charlotte company here. It's amazing to see okay. these companies that have started in Charlotte and then how it now have grown. I mean, how blessed are we to have Girls on the Run and Let Me Run right here in Charlotte? <laughs> I mean, awesome. that that's that's incredible. So thank you so much for everything um, that you have done. And thank you so much for, for joining us on this episode of the brand builders podcast. Well, thank you guys so much. Really appreciate it. And um, we'd love to, to partner with you guys going forward and, and have you all out there. So and we'll, we'll look for your oldest son in a few years. Yes. I love it. Thank, <laughs> thank you, Emily. You. If, all right. If, thank yeah. you guys so much. Have a good one. Absolutely. If thank you me. are, if you all are right. listening, please like share, comment, check them out, connect with Emily, Get your kids out there. Let me run. It's awesome. Again, you've been listening to this episode of the Brand Builders Podcast. You've been listening to the Brand Builders Podcast, brought to you by the Dunstan Group with your host, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. For branded merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out the Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com.